0: August 1, 1972, the San Diego Padres were in Atlanta for a doubleheader against the Braves. At 6.05 p.m., Ron Schuller delivered the first pitch of Game 1. Shortly after midnight, the last pitch of the night was thrown. In between those two pitches, San Diego's Nate Colbert came to the plate 10 times, hit five home runs, and knocked in 13, a night for the ages. Next, on Sports Forgotten Heroes, one of the game's most feared sluggers and a forgotten star, Nate Colbert.
1: This is Sports Forgotten Heroes, a tribute to the stars who shaped the games we love to watch and the games we love to play. Stars who provided us with many thrills, but when their time was up, they faded away. We'll take a look back at their spectacular careers, their moments of fame, even if it was just for one season or just one game. And now, here's your host. Warren Rogan.
0: Welcome to Sports Forgotten Heroes. So glad you can be here. Joining me in just a moment on today's podcast will be Bill Swank. Bill is a terrific author. He's written several books about baseball, the San Diego Padres, and is regarded as San Diego's preeminent baseball historian by the San Diego Historical Society. Also joining today's podcast will be Mike Ursery from the East Village Times. You know, if you listen closely to the open of the show each week, Sports Forgotten Heroes pays tribute to players who might have had a great career or one great season or just one incredible game. Well, today's podcast concentrates on a guy who sort of fits each of those categories, depending on how you look at it. You see, Nate Colbert is the all-time leading home run hitter in the history of the San Diego Padres. So, did he have a great career? Well, smacking 163 home runs for one team does not make for a great career. But in the annals of the Padres, that's more than anyone. Did he have just one great season? Well, his best season might have been 1972 when he was an All-Star and finished 8th in MVP voting. He hit two fifty with 38 home runs and 111 ribbies but he did way more than that. We'll tell you about that in just a moment. And those are pretty darn good numbers at a time when pitching really dominated the game. Did he have one great game? Well, he had one heck of a night, that's for sure. On August 1st, 1972, in a doubleheader in Atlanta against the Braves, Colbert walloped five home runs, one of which was a Grand Slam, had 13 RBI, scored 7 runs, and had a record 22 total bases. Absolutely incredible. Not only will we talk about that day, but we'll discuss just how good Colbert was during his career for one of the worst teams ever assembled. First, though, thanks to Henry R. and Jack K. for their continued support of Sports Forgotten Heroes. To show your support, please visit sportsfh.com or our page on Patreon at patreon.com sportsfh. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com backslash sportsfh. You can find out how to become a supporter of the podcast, ask questions, and more. Follow Sports Forgotten Heroes on Twitter at SportsFHeroes or look for the Sports Forgotten Heroes page on Facebook. And if you have any questions or comments, please visit SportsFH.com. Back to Nate Colbert. He was originally signed by the Cardinals in 1964, was drafted by the Astros in the Rule 5 draft in 1965, spent three years in the Houston organization, and then was taken by the Padres in the expansion draft prior to their first season, 1969. And the Padres weren't good. In 69, they went 52 and 110. They followed that with records of 63 and 99 in 1970, 61 and 171, and 58 and 95 in 1972. In fact, it wouldn't be until 1978 that the Padres would sniff 500 when they went a very respectable 84 and 78. And it wouldn't be until 1982 until they would reach 500 again, going 81-81. and Yeah, they were bad. And of course, with the Dodgers and the Angels not playing too far away, being a fan of the Padres wasn't easy. But they did have a big, powerful star to root for, and his name was Nate Colbert. Now, with much regret, I tried to contact Nate and bring him on the podcast to talk about that great day he had. Sadly, though, I did not have success. I just couldn't locate him. However, Bill Swank covered the Padres for years and remembers Nate well. And joining us now is Bill Swank.
1: Glad to be with you.
0: Now, before we get into that magical day of August 1st, 1972, can you tell me the kind of ball player that Nate was and just how powerful a hitter he was?
1: Well, I think he was a bit of a surprise. He wasn't even the... the, uh starting first baseman in in 69 and it took a while uh, for him to work his way into the lineup Uh, but uh, he quickly you know it became apparent that he was a power hitter I mean he uh, he he was he was uh, uh, hitting better than I think certainly you know they drafted him from Houston Uh, but uh, I mean even you look at his minor league numbers uh, they they didn't jump out at you but neither do Roger Maris's minor league numbers or Or Hank Aaron's. Uh, so you know, some of these men they just uh, develop into sluggers, and the man really was a slugger. He, he, uh, Colbert could really hit that baseball.
0: And he played on some really poor, really bad teams. Some they were. <laughs> some historically bad. Just how bad were they, and how much more significant did their poor play make? what Nate did at the plate during his years in San Diego, even more impressive.
1: Well, there wasn't a whole lot to cheer for with the team that was losing as much as it was. So when someone like Nate Colbert came along, uh, he, w- he was the man. And he was, uh, the, the fans loved him, and, and he w- uh, he was responsive to the fans. Thing, you know, things were different back then. There was... There's more accessibility to ball players, and Nate just had one of those outgoing personalities and the, he he was the 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 star of, of uh, those early padre teams you know he was an all star I think three years, but uh he was he was definitely one of the uh, leading uh power hitters in baseball. uh you know remember, I think it was sixty I think it was sixty eight I think it was the uh the impossible dream year. That uh, Yastrzemski batted three oh one. He was the only guy in the American League to even hit over three hundred. Sure. So it was a pitchers it was a pitchers game back then. So, uh, Colbert was uh, uh, he he was playing at a time when the pitchers were more dominant, uh, uh, to, you know, than they had been.
0: And and that brings up my next question. One of the most incredible statistics that I read during my research about Nate Colbert comes from the nineteen seventy two season, and to me. This shows just how good he was. The Padres, it was a strike-shortened season, so the Padres went 58-95 that year, and they had a batting average, a team batting average of just two twenty-seven. In the lineup, along with Nate, was LaRon Lee, and he was second on the team in RBIs with 47. and Cito Gaston, who was also on the team, had only 44, and that was third-best on the team. As a team... The Padres scored only, get this, 488 runs. Nate Colbert drove in 111 of those runs that year, and he scored something like 87 runs that year. He was responsible for almost 25% of the runs scored by San Diego. That says a lot about how good Nate was. How in the world was he able to do that and why didn't opposing pitchers pitch around him?
1: Well, I'm I'm pretty sure you know that, as you said the percentage of uh, of uh, runs batted in to runs that were scored by a team. I think that set a major league record. Uh, yes, it was incredible. Uh, and uh, why didn't pitchers uh, pitch around him? I, I just had lunch with Bob Chandler. I don't know if you uh, recognize the name. Bob, Bob was the uh, broadcaster for the Padres, partner with uh, Jerry Coleman for years. And, uh, you know, one of the things that, that Bob said was I asked him about that. and I said, you know, what, you know, and he, re, you know, and I asked him about, because I knew, you know, uh, that, that we were going to be talking. I asked for some of his memories about, uh, you know, what we'll be talking about, the great day that he had in, uh, in, in August, uh, August 1st of that year. But uh, Bob said he, he couldn't understand why the pitchers just didn't pitch around him. Because uh, uh, he he was the he was the guy that uh, could drive in the runs, but uh, I think there's just they were just that uh, disdainful toward the Padres. They knew they were going to beat them.
0: <laughs> Unreal. So in 1972, he knocks in 111. He hits 250, cranks out 27 doubles, blasts 38 home runs. Five of those 38 home runs came in one day in a doubleheader on August 1st against the Atlanta Braves. Nate Colbert hit two home runs in the first game, three more in the second game, knocked in 13 for the entire day, and had 22 total bases. When I first contacted you, you said you remembered that day. Tell me about that day.
1: I... You know, I've been trying to piece together exactly where I was coming from, because in my memory, it was on a Sunday, but I think it was on a Tuesday. And I was working, uh, uh, I got off work at, I think, 2 o'clock in those days, Mm -hmm. and I was driving home on Interstate uh, 5. And so I really wasn't aware of what had happened, uh, you know, because we are three hours different than the East Coast. Sure. And Nate was coming up, uh, I think, for the last time, and they were saying how, you know, he'd already, you know, the, well, I mean, the Padres won the first game. I think it was a shutout, and he had two home runs, and he'd had two home runs in the second game, and I think he's coming up uh, for the third, uh, you know, uh, you know, in the la- in the last game. Right. And he hit the other one, and I thought, wow, this is really something. And the Padres won that game, so I mean. Uh, in addition to, to winning two games, which didn't happen very often, <laughs> it was just uh, unbelievable that this man uh, could hit five home runs in a doubleheader. Uh, you know, there it, it was, it, and and I'm glad that I happened to catch it because uh, uh, you know when you're working, uh, uh, sometimes you miss you miss things.
0: It was an historic day for sure. San Diego won Game One of that doubleheader, nine nothing. In the first inning, Colbert hit a three-run shot off Ron Schuller, and in the seventh, he hit a solo blast off Mike McQueen. For the game, he was four for five with five ribbies and ten total bases. In the nightcap, San Diego won again 11-7, to and for the Padres, winning two games in one day was quite the rarity. In the second inning, Colbert smacked a grand slam off Pat Jarvis. In the seventh, he hit a two-run shot off Jim Harden. And in the ninth, he hit a two-run shot off Cecil Upshaw. That's 12 total bases, another eight RBIs. So, for the day, that's five home runs. Incredible. 13 ribbies and a major league record of 22 total bases. He faced five pitchers and hit a home run off each of them. And for those home runs, he took the pitchers deep on the first pitch he saw, and on the other home run, he went deep on the second pitch he faced. I also read where he barely missed two more home runs by inches on balls that were barely foul. Mike Ursery from the East Village Times also remembers the games.
1: Uh, his first at bat was a three-run home run, so right off the bat, he's already got a home run, three RBIs. Uh, his next at bat was a single. He drove in another run. He also had a grand slam that day. You know, he already has five home runs in a day, but...
0: What makes it even more remarkable to me is the fact that, at least as the story goes, when he was a young boy, he was sitting in the stands with his dad in St. Louis on the day that Stan Musial hit five home runs.
1: That is a really uh, that is really amazing. Um You know, we all once were kids, and we all have idols that we looked up to. um, And we all have said, one day I'm going to do something like that. But Nate Colbert actually was there to watch Musial do it. And he told his dad, he said, one day I'm going to do that. And, you know, 18 years later, he did it.
0: In fact, in an article about that day written by Bob Wolf, which I found in the L.A. Times, Colbert is quoted as saying, Stan was my idol after that day. Now when I see him, he says, hey, we're the only ones to do it. Musial's big day came on May 2, 1954. In the first game of a doubleheader against the then New York Giants, a 10-6 Cardinals victory, Musial went 4-4 four for four with three home runs and six RBI. In the second game, a 9-7 Cardinals loss, Musial went 2-4 for four His two hits were home runs, and he totaled three ribbies for the game. Overall, Musial went six for eight with five home runs and nine RBI, and 21 total bases. Now, 26,662 people were in attendance, and as the story goes, two of those people were Nate Colbert and his father. However, Swank debunks that story just a bit.
1: When you're a a researcher and and, uh and a historian and you, uh, you go back and cause I, I, I did the early history of baseball in San Diego back in the 1800s. And there's some pretty far-fetched stories. And, and I think there could be a little embellishment and, you know, and telling a good story is, is real important. And, you know, for, for, for Nate to be in the, in the stands when Ted, when Ted, I think Ted Williams, cause <laughs> when, when uh, the the man, uh, you know, it could have happened. Uh, I'm just a real skeptical guy. That's, that's what I'll say. But, uh, I know, you know, Stan Mutual was a very gracious man. And, and, uh, you know, I know there was some, uh, you know, there, when they, they celebrated it when I think the, you know, when the Cardinals came out mm-hmm. and I know that they reported that, uh, that Nate Colbert got a, got a Cadillac Eldorado.
0: Now, whether or not Colbert received a Cadillac Eldorado is another story that Swank questions. But what no one questions is how bad the Padres were, and because they were so bad, Colbert played in relative obscurity. Even in San Diego, very few showed up to see him play. In fact, in San Diego's first season, the Padres drew just over a half million people or 6,333 per game at a time when NL teams averaged over 1.2 million fans per season. In 1970, San Diego drew just under 650,000 fans for the year, and in 72, they fell back to just over 550,000 for the season. During the course of Colbert's six seasons in San Diego, the Padres averaged just over 595,000 fans a year. Outside of San Diego, hardly anyone knew them. And in fact, after the 1973 season, with attendance just so paltry the team was going to leave san diego and head across country to washington dc the padres just struggled at the gate they couldn't bring people in it they were financially strapped so yeah i read where there was also a period of time that it was thought that the padres were going to leave town and go to washington it dc thought. they
1: they were they were sold they, they, were go, they were on their way to uh, Washington, and they, they uh, even uh, had a, a, a friend of mine was a, a photographer for the team, and I have a picture, and as far as I know, uh, it's really the only one in existence that he took of uh, Dave Friesleben wearing a, uh, a Washington uniform. It just said Washington on it, and there was a star on, uh, on the, uh, uh, the hat they were going to be called the Washington stars. Wow. So, so, and, and there, there, it was, they were sold, I think to a, uh, it was a, an East coast grocer or something like that. And, and there was some problem, uh, and the, and the commissioner's office said, no, nah, this, this can't, can't go through. And then Ray Kroc, the founder, not, he's not the founder, you know, but he, he's considered to be the founder of McDonald's. Mm-hmm. He bought the team. And when he told his wife, "I bought the Padres," she said, "Why did you buy a monastery?" So she didn't even know they were a baseball team. And he was, a, he was a very colorful guy. You know, you mentioned at the start about uh, the Padres having to compete against the Dodgers and the Angels. I guess you were implying for, for attention and for uh, yes, yes. You know, for, for fans. but sure. you know, San Diego uh, San Diego doesn't like L.A. LA like San Diego. I'm just talking about in general, you know, everybody in LA wants to come down to San Diego because it's such a beautiful spot. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, they have benign to positive feelings about San Diego, but San Diegans don't like LA. And so playing the Dodgers, uh, is always a highlight Right. and beating the Dodgers. I mean that, that, uh, uh, the Padres uh, have, have really traditionally done pretty well against the, the, the Dodgers, uh,
0: Interesting. I don't
1: know. Where, where am I going with this? What was yeah. your question again?
0: Well, we were talking about you the know, you, Padres. You're talking yeah. baseball, and you,
1: <laughs> and you never know where it's going to go.
0: <laughs> we were talking about the Padres. Oh, yeah, about and,
1: Ray Kroc. Right. Ray Kroc. Let me tell you a quick story. Kroc buys the team. It's opening day. This is 74. And they're playing uh, Houston. They're playing Houston. The bases are loaded. And I think, yeah, as Colbert was at bat. And he pops out. That's one down. No, mm-hmm. he, yeah, uh, I, uh, I can't. I think it was uh, there was one out, and he pops out. But there, and then the guy on first base gets picked off. You know, he's so I mean, and so Ray Crock, he'd gone up to the uh, uh, to the booth, you know, the broadcast booth, and he had he's holding on to the uh, PA system. He's talking. And he says, well, I've got some good news and some bad news. The good news is that, that, uh, you know, we outdrew the Los Angeles Dodgers on their opening day. And so the fans cheer. And he says, and the bad news is, this is the stupidest baseball I've ever seen. (laughs) And the fans cheered. (laughs) Well, that did not go well with with the players, needless to say. And it didn't go well with Major League Baseball. Uh, because, uh, you know, you don't want the owner getting up and saying these things. That same day, you're aware of the San Diego chicken? I am. The KGB yeah, chicken. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's he, he's a the great, greatest mascot ever. That was the first time he made an appearance. He was uh, just a college kid, and he was uh, wearing the, 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 a little different chicken outfit for uh, radio station KGB uh, here in San Diego. And so that was, you know, he made his debut that day. And then, while Kroc is talking, a streaker runs across the field. Oh, my. And so, Croc, Croc, you know, get that guy, and he's, he's yelling. And, and, I mean, the, the fans are just loving it because <laughs> it was clear that this was a man who cared about, uh, you know, about baseball in San Diego. And even though they were still terrible, I think that was the year that they drew a million fans, which was just unheard of. So Ray Kroc really saved baseball in San Diego.
0: How tough was it for the players to play previously before Kroc came in, knowing that the team was on its way to Washington, D.C.? How did that affect the psyche of the players?
1: Well, in 73, I can remember going to, to what I thought was the last game. And there weren't many people in the stands, and it was like, you know, it was like being at a funeral. You know, we didn't know that, that you know that they were that they were going, but it was pretty obvious that that, uh, that you know, well, C. Arnold Smith had run out of money, and so the Padres had to go. Right. And there, there were a lot of people who said, "Great, bring back the old PCL Padres. At least they'll win some games." Uh, so there, people didn't feel as bad about it as uh, as they should have. And I remember feeling bad, and I just remember that feeling in the stands that night. It, was, uh, it, it had to have an effect on the players, and losing all the time has an effect on, on the players. I mean, these guys, they may be professionals, but, but they're out there to win. Right. And, uh, and the pipe race were god-awful, no question of that.
0: Uh, getting back to Nate, You know, during the four-year period of 1970, 71, 72, and 73, he averaged Thirty-one home runs a year, yeah. like you said, he yeah. was an All Star three times. He was the face of the franchise, and to this day, he is San Diego's all-time leader in home runs with a hundred sixty-three.
1: Yep, um, you know I don't think Nate Colbert is known very well outside of San Diego, but uh, you know he was he was uh, they they instituted a Hall of the Padre Hall of Fame right just nineteen ninety nine. Okay and uh, Nate and and Randy Jones and uh, and Ray Kroc, uh were the first three members. Uh, Colbert, you know, was the the franchise and and uh you know, he he's been back. He w- he was here last summer uh for the uh the All-Star game. Uh, uh-huh. Uh you know, he doesn't spend a lot of time in San Diego, but but he knows that that, uh, that he was uh he loved in san diego do you
0: think the cardinals or the astros at the time regretted not protecting him cuz he was drafted well, by I'm, the cardinals as i yeah, as i yeah. yeah yeah
1: and then and then well i don't i i'm not clear on that i i i thought i, I thought that houston drafted him well it doesn't I, matter but yeah any you know if it was the cardinals or, or houston yeah they wish they'd have kept him that, there's no question of that, but i don't think uh you know they, they I don't think anybody expected him to 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 be so powerful. Oh, one quick last one I want to tell you sure when when San Diego Stadium was built, it was three thirty down the lines, but there was a wall that was nineteen feet high. Wow, and so it was hard to hit home runs in san diego so And I think it was in '72 when he hit 38 home runs. Now again, these are stories that might be apocryphal, and I and I think it was Whitey Weedelman who who said that uh, you know that somehow because Whitey Whitey kept every he had a scrapbook when he died of every Padres uh, box score. Wow, he was was a great fan, and uh, but Whitey claimed you know these. Whitey died ten years ago, but it it seems like he told me that that uh, that year that Nate hit the wall, you know, 17 times.
0: Holy smokes!
1: And I think it was '84 when they brought in a they you know to they, they make it a more uh, hitter friendly, and that was the year the Padres won the uh, uh, you know the NL uh, championship. But they, they brought a fence in, and I think it was 327 down the lines. And, and uh, it was originally, I think, 420 the center, and they, and they brought it into about 405. And, they, and it was kind of, as I recall, it was kind of, you know, the chain-link fence, but pretty solid. And then they put palm trees in the space. Uh, they, they, you know, they've had palm trees down at Lane Field uh, down on the bay. And so, so I like the, the fact of the palm trees. And, of course, then they, they will hit more home runs. So it was, you know, after they they brought the fences in, if uh, Whitey's uh, reasoning was that if they if, uh, if he hit the, 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 the wall, which was 19 feet high, uh, if he hit it 17 times, uh, you know, playing uh, 10 years later, that had 15 home runs to, to his total.
0: Yeah, and, uh, that would be 55
1: over... home runs, and then how many balls were caught right at the wall? You know, I don't think he kept, but but I mean, you know, this is the game that gets played, you know, in baseball. What if? What if? What if? He was just he was at yeah. Go ahead. No, i I just going to say the Padres. Uh, uh, Sparky Anderson was, was on the original coaching staff, and he's you know enthusiastic guy. And I think it was in, you know in the early '70s. He's he's the manager now of uh, Cincinnati, and and he claimed that the Padres had had, you know, one of the the best offenses in baseball. Uh, they didn't hit for average, but uh, uh, they, it seemed like they, you know, I'm not a, a real stats guy, but I, I think that, um, I think this is right. I think in 1970, they hit 172 home runs and they hit, an, but only 104 of them, or I mean, not only, I mean, most of them were hit on the road. They only hit sixty-eight at home,
0: because it was and, just too hard to get over that fence.
1: Yeah, and I think one of the things, because I, I, in nineteen eighty, they only hit twenty-nine home runs at home, and so that's wow. why I, I think that motivated them to move in the fence because it's just too hard to hit home runs. And you know, the same thing happened down at Petco, and you know, the pitchers were complaining and the hit and. Uh, you know everybody would come in and they they hit home runs and the Padres couldn't even hit home runs in their own ballpark you know it so they brought defenses in there you know and they let's face it baseball today it's not the game it was in the old days when if you hit 20 home runs you were a power hitter yeah no doubt uh, now uh you know we're past the steroid era i think but uh it, it's a game that gets changed by home runs and yeah. the fans love it so that's you know, people that don't think baseball's changing don't know what they're talking about. It's changing all the time.
0: Sure it is. You know, his final few years in baseball, they weren't great, and it's not because of a lack of yeah, well, he was ability he was or talent. Tell me about that. What happened to Nate Colbert?
1: Well, he hurt his back. And, and you know, his numbers really dropped off in uh, uh, 74, and so, you know, the Padres traded him. And he... he uh, he never, he, he just, he was done. He was finished. And, and then, you know, that happens. You know, yeah, guys get hurt.
0: Yeah, I heard it was some sort of a degenerative back condition.
1: Yeah, and it, it, back.
0: So if you had to sum up the career of Nate Colbert, how would you do it?
1: He was a great slugger. He was uh, an un, obviously an unappreciated slugger. Uh, and, and I guarantee you, uh, People that know anything about baseball in San Diego know how tremendous he was. He didn't hit for average, but, boy, he could he could hit the ball a long way. Very powerful man. And a good guy. A good guy.
0: That's great to hear. Hey, tell the fans of Sports Forgotten Heroes what you're working on now and where they can see all you've written.
1: <laughs> well, I, I write for a local uh, newspaper here, but I, I just wrote a uh, – a, a column about uh, forgotten uh little league fields uh in in uh in San Diego and and the response was really great because people have so many memories of little league and so I had fun with that uh I I've, I've I've written 10 books most of them are about baseball uh-huh. but the last one I the last one I did uh, uh was about Christmas in San Diego my editor said uh, uh you, you know you don't know who I am, what I look like, but I'm Santa Claus for the for Christmas on the Prado, which is San Diego's big uh, celebration. And, uh, so my editor said, why don't you write a book about uh, Christmas? So I wrote a book called Christmas in San Diego. Interesting. And that's the last, that's the last book I wrote. And I got a picture in it of, uh, Tony Gwynn wearing a Santa hat. And, and when they, when they, uh, eulogized Tony, uh, uh, ben Scully referred to Tony. You know, he, he said, well, "If I can think of one word to describe Tony Gwynn, it would be jolly." And Ted Leitner, who's you know still the uh, broadcaster, I think it was Ted. He said, uh, "Tony Gwynn was Santa Claus." So I thought it was a good analogy because uh, everybody loved Tony, and Tony loved everybody. That's nice.
0: Bill, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join me on Sports Forgotten Heroes, and I hope you would consider coming back again sometime in the future.
1: Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Uh, Thank you, Warren, and uh, uh, I I, uh, wish you success for your program.
0: To find out more about Bill Swank and what he's written, check out sportsfh.com. Colbert's career was shortened by his bad back. After his 163 home runs for San Diego, he bounced around a little more. He was traded to Detroit after the 1974 season, was purchased by Montreal midway through 75, and signed as a free agent with Oakland midway through the 76 season after the Expos had released him. For his career, he hit 173 home runs with 520 RBI and posted a batting average of .243. But that one day in Atlanta, he was as great as they came. Only Stan Musial rivaled what he did. Thanks again to my guest Bill Swank and to Mike Ursary for joining too. For more information on Nate Colbert, please visit sportsfh.com. Follow Sports Forgotten Heroes on Twitter at SportsFHeroes or look for Sports Forgotten Heroes on Facebook. Next time on Sports Forgotten Heroes, we'll take a look back at the career of the only pitcher ever to win back-to-back MVP awards, and he almost made it three in a row. We're talking about Hal Newhouser. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on
1: Sports Forgotten Heroes.